Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast God's Holy Word. I'm your host, Leslie Sullivan, and today is episode 23. And I don't know about you, but I had a rough night last night, and I did not sleep very well. And I woke up this morning thinking about a whole lot of things, and I wish that last night I had just woken up and prayed, but it's one of those things she's toss and turn, toss and turn, so I was not happy about that. And it didn't make me feel very good. But I woke up this morning and I just kind of had a one-on-one with God, um said some really good prayers, and something came to me to talk about on this podcast. And one of the things that bugs me is the lies out there in regards to well, lies in general bother me, but especially when it comes to people saying the wrong things and believing the wrong things about God. And so um one of the things I just made a list of things that irritate me. And so I want to go over some things with you guys. And if you like it great, if not, feel free to uh turn off this episode. Um but I personally think it will be really good because let me put it this way, the things that I'm going to talk about and this may go through several episodes depending on how far we get into it. These are things that either I was taught wrong or that Even though I was taught wrong, I believed them because I didn't know better. So now I know better, and it's not because of me; it's because of God. Like I give God all the glory and praise on this because He woke me up from my slumber. He woke me up from the lies that we get told sometimes in our churches, and sometimes churches mean well, sometimes they don't. But we really need to be focusing on what does God say about things? What does God think about things and us and our situations? And so I made a list of uh, the lies or some of the things that people get angry about and we're going to discuss some of those things in this podcast. And these might be things that maybe irritate you as well or maybe you've been told the same thing as me or maybe even after you listen to this, you may still completely disagree with me. That's okay. We all are entitled to our opinions, but I know that considering what I've been through and what I know God has called me to do, which is first of all to to serve him to follow him to believe to be a believer and a follower in Christ Jesus but also to proclaim his gospel and to believe his gospel and to tell people the truth about it because I know what it's like to be lied to and that really bugs me like it's kind of those things you know sometimes you know when someone's lying to you but other times you don't but then when you you realize you've been lied to whether intentionally or not intentionally whatever the case may be it's very disheartening and i know what that feels like and i don't ever like feeling disheartened it's a horrible feeling and it's actually quite stressful for your body as well it's really hard on the heart and the lungs to feel that kind of stress so i thought well if this is something that you know greatly helps me it might help other people so one of the first things i wanted to talk about was the prosperity gospel there are so many people that are against the prosperity gospel it amazes me it they just get this snarl and this hateful look on their face and it, i think it's because they hate money or they they take this out of they they blow it out of proportion and they take you know different scriptures out of the bible and they manipulate them and they say well money is the root of all evil so you know you shouldn't want money that's not true at all that's not what the bible says at all the love of money is the root of all evil that that's the thing it's the love of possessions because the love is in the wrong place the only thing we're supposed to love is the father son and holy spirit because when you put god first everything else falls into place it's okay to like money it's okay to want money it's okay to appreciate money 
If anything, it's a sin and it's a slap in God's face to not accept him blessing you or to be jealous of what someone else has. Like I've met some really hateful people over the years that they they can't stand wealthy people and I'm going, "Why? Do you like their house?" Do you dislike them because you wish you had what they had? And sometimes they'll be like, "No, I just don't think it's good for people to have money." I'm like, "Really? So you want to live like how they live in India or Haiti or one of these other countries that they're horribly run, they have poverty, they have disease, really bad on a very high scale compared to the United States and Europe?" And I just thought, you know, is that really where you want to live? Like when people strive for something better, do they wake up and say, "You know what? I want to be poor." I want to have intestinal worms. I want to be so sick I almost die trying to drink a glass of water. I want to have lack of food, lack of water. I don't want a roof over my head. Does anybody actually wake up and say those things? No. But unfortunately, we have people that are against prosperity preachers, and there are some preachers that may not have the best intentions, but they're not all prosperity preachers. I've met some bad preachers over the years that they put on the whole snarl about money but yet they're asking for money so a preacher doesn't have to be a prosperity gospel preacher in order to be bad bad people exist in every occupation at every level so i think sometimes people really target christians on stuff like this and i'm just like you know what like you can target christians all you want but technically christians are not the most evil people i think stalin and hitler or a perfect example of that. But, you know, here's the thing. If you if you believe that prosperity is bad, I'm going to prove to you that it's not. And we're going to go to God's holy word. And again, I'm reading from the uh, NIV Leadership Bible. It's uh from Reader to Leader edition. It's really good. I love it. We're going to be reading from the Old Testament. And this is from the book of Deuteronomy. And it's going to be from chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 3. It says in the 14th year on the first day of the 11th month, Moses proclaimed to the Israelites all that the Lord had commanded him concerning them. This was after he had defeated Sihon, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon and at Edrei, and at Edrei, sorry, excuse me, and at Edrei had defeated Og, king of Bashan, who reigned in Ashtoreth. And then it goes on to say, we're going to jump down to verse 8. It says, "See, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to their descendants after them." Okay. So, in one of the first verses we just read, Moses is speaking to the Israelites. Like literally speaking words out of his mouth, okay? And he's proclaiming to them what the Lord told him. So Moses is not making this up. He's speaking directly what the Lord spoke to him because Moses was kind of the designated he he was their deliverer, but he was also their their kind of intercessor. Because the Israelites knew that God was very powerful and they were still kind of fearful of him. And so they felt more comfortable having Moses deal directly with God as opposed to them going directly to God like we do today through prayer, but they didn't have Jesus back then. So they went through Moses. So God spoke directly to Moses about what he is giving them, how he is providing them. 
providing for them and he's going to bless them and we see that when it jumps down to verse 8 well actually let me go ahead and read start from verse 6 this might explain it better because i know this scripture really well but if you haven't heard this in a while you might not be sure what i'm talking about but it says here in verse 6 the lord our god said to us at horeb you have stayed long enough at this mountain so god is saying this is wherever you're at right now that was temporary i am moving you on to something better so get ready you're moving things are getting better goes on to say verse 7 break camp and advance into the hill country of the amorites go to all the neighboring peoples in the araba in the mountains in the western foothills in the negev and along the coast to the land of the canaanites and to lebanon and as far as the great river the euphrates so he's telling them where you're staying which is at horeb is temporary and you need to move on You need to move on to bigger and better things. That's why he lists all these things that they are going to advance through. And we know that this is God's holy word, therefore it's true. And we know geographically where this happened. Like all you have to do is get a map and look up where Lebanon is. And you can see their journey from Egypt to Lebanon and then on down to the promised land. Like this is factual information. It's not made up. It's not mystical. It's factual. It actually did happen. And it is geographically proven where the Israelites were and how God helped them. So it goes on to say, "See, I have given you this land, the land that he's telling them to go to. Go in and take possession of the land the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to the descendants after them." Excuse me, to their descendants. not just any descendants to their descendants because God's chosen people are just that they are his chosen people so if you're against prosperity it doesn't make sense to be against prosperity when right here God is blessing his people and you're probably thinking well Leslie that's old testament that doesn't apply to us if you are a believer in Christ Jesus it does apply to you and here's why We are the descendants of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob because we are in God's holy family. And if you are attending a church that doesn't believe that, then you are in big trouble because you're being taught a false doctrine. They don't even want to acknowledge what's saying right here in the Old Testament, which Old Testament is Old Covenant. This is Old Covenant, meaning it's the foundation of our faith. it precedes the new testament the new covenant the great thing about when you know it's great when everybody's born but especially for us because we were born way after this occurred and so we get the benefit of both the old testament and the new testament so technically we get two covenants if not more based on the blessing of abraham and that blessing came from god And what people may not understand is that when God blessed his people, it wasn't just with, you know, a, a vacant lot with weeds on it. Like when you're blessed, God blesses you with everything. So that's what he's doing here with the Israelites. He's telling them through through Moses, I made a promise with your with your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. that I would bless them and their descendants. 
See, the Israelites, they know they are the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Even though they were enslaved for 400 years, they knew they were the descendants of their fathers. So they knew that this covenant applied to them. Well, if we are believers in Christ Jesus, this is our heritage. Because our God is a God of covenant. And that covenant belongs to you and me. Which means we have every right to be blessed. We have every right to be prosperous. We have every right to be rich. We have every right to be wealthy, healthy, whole, all those beautiful things. And unfortunately, people think that if that if you want to be rich and that if you want to be wealthy, they think you're greedy. They think that's greed. That's not greed. That's wanting what God wants for you because God provides it for you. If money was bad, if possessions were bad, then God would not have blessed King David or King Solomon. And I think King Solomon was the wealthiest king this planet has ever seen. I think he had like over 2000 horses and and uh what's it called horse stables or something. That is a very wealthy man. Like King Solomon was so wealthy. Other monarchies came to see him. Number 1 to get his advice on so many things because he asked for wisdom and he was known for being wise. But also people were just in shock at how much God blessed him and blessed his kingdom. Because God loved him. If money was wrong, we wouldn't have it. If possessions were wrong, we would not have it. So the prosperity gospel is actually true because prosperity is all throughout the Bible. It's not just the Old Testament, it's the New Testament. I'll give an example. When Jesus is feeding the 5000, how do you feed 5000 people? Literally, how do you feed 5000 people? Well, what the Lord did was he blessed the meal. He blessed it so that it didn't run dry, they didn't run out, and they had fragments left over like a lot of fragments. Enough to feed more people. If God was against blessing people, if he was against riches and wealth and prosperity, then Jesus would not have performed those miracles. Because with prosperity and blessing comes leadership. It also includes stewardship, meaning what are you doing with your money? What are you doing with your possessions? What are you doing with all the surplus that you have? That doesn't mean that you give every single thing away and then you become poor again. That's the dumbest thing you could ever do. And you're probably thinking, "Whoa, really?" Yes. I'll give an example. I used to be Catholic. I left the Catholic Church because to be to be blunt, I couldn't take it anymore. There was too much shaming and blaming and it just wasn't a pleasant spiritual experience by any means. And their teaching is wrong. Like I can't believe I converted to it, but I did. You know, several years ago that I realized, "Hey, this isn't what I thought it was." So I left and I go to a different church now. And so what I found interesting in the Catholic Church was that they glorified poverty. 
They glorified it. But then they would get angry when when their people didn't give enough money to the tithe. And then they would get irritated whenever we would have these priests from other countries that are broke. These priests would come here to uh to Oklahoma and they would ask us for money. And I'm like, "You know what? If you don't have money, then you need to get a job." That's the smart thing to do. Well, stupidly what these priests have done, and I don't know why the Catholic priesthood, I don't know if other priesthoods do this, but the Catholic priesthood, they take a vow of poverty. There is no glory in poverty. That's not God's way. And what kind of example is your pastor or your preacher if he's broke all the time? He can't afford stuff. He he has a lousy car, a clunker. He doesn't have good health insurance. His teeth are falling out. He looks disheveled all the time. And I'm saying these things because I've seen this in the Catholic Church and outside the Catholic Church. And that's just pathetic. Like if someone's a leader, they're supposed to be the example that you want to emulate or follow. Well, you know what? Being poor sucks. Cuz guess what? You can't hardly pay your bills. It makes it very difficult to get access to food, water, and shelter. And then when you actually do need help, guess what? The Catholic Church doesn't always help people. And I know from personal experience on that. I won't go into that. But it's just like how can you turn someone away when you're supposed to help them? Well, the Catholic Church is no different than some some other organizations where they love money. But yet they glorify poverty. They put on the whole they've taken a vow of poverty. Oh, I'm becoming a saint. I'm going to be poor because that's what Jesus wanted. That's not what he wanted at all. See, whenever these people where they're male or female, which in the priesthood of the Catholic Church is male, but whenever people take the vow of poverty, they're actually disgracing God and they're slapping God in the face. And here's why. They're turning away God's blessing and they're saying, "No, no, no, Lord. I I don't want your gifts. I don't want you to bless me. I'm just going to be poor." God doesn't want his people to be poor. Poverty is a horrible reflection. That's not a symbol of wealth or humility. And let me tell you something, poor people love money too. In fact, some of the greediest, selfish, most jealous people I've ever met have been poor. They were not rich, they were poor. Cuz you know what? They looked down on on the wealthy. They thought, "Oh, they don't deserve that." And whenever I heard one of them say it, which sometimes was at church, I'd say, "How do you know they don't deserve it?" Well, you know how rich people are. Not the way you do, I guess. And they just kind of look at me. And I said, "You know, the you know, the rich people I've met, and I've met quite a few over the years, they're some of the nicest people I've ever met, and they donate the most money. Why? Because they're blessed. They don't have to do that, but they choose to do it out of the kindness of their heart." See, if you take a vow of poverty and you think prosperity is bad, how are you actually able to first of all help yourself? 
How are you able to provide for yourself and your family? Then how are you a blessing to your community or to the to the church that you attend? If you're so broke that that you don't have two pennies to rub together. It makes no sense because that's not what God wants. You know, whenever I would meet some of these priests that take on the vow of poverty, I met some in Dallas, Texas, and man, talk about arrogance and pompousness. Oh, I'm poor. I'm so I've taken the vow of poverty. I'm serving God. Look at me. You know what they remind me of? The Pharisees and the Sadducees, who were known for being hypocrites, and that's why Jesus called them hypocrites because what they do is they make it public about that how were this? They they would advertise how holy they supposedly are which just totally nullified their so-called holiness but they would brag about themselves on the street corners look how holy i am but that's exactly what taking a vow of poverty is like i'm not impressed with that i've never been impressed with poor people never and i don't mean that harshly but whenever i meet someone that's poor i don't encourage them to be poor I help them get out of their pit cuz that's what we're called to do as Christians. That's what we're called to do as believers of Christ Jesus. We don't settle for less than God's best. We go for the best, which is God's best. God doesn't want us to be starving. He doesn't want us to be on social not what not social media. What's it called? Social welfare programs. Well, he probably doesn't want a bunch of people on social media as well, but I mean in terms of like your income, He doesn't want people to be on welfare programs. He doesn't want people broke. He doesn't want people living from paycheck to paycheck. He doesn't want people living scared. Because fear comes from the enemy. It doesn't come from God. I've been poor and I hated it. There were times I didn't know when my next paycheck when my next paycheck was going to come in i wasn't always sure what the amount was going to be cuz sometimes employers are crooked and you have to be careful about their checks and you know it was a horrible life it was horrible i was miserable i mean i made the best of it i mean i i did the my best to keep my chin up and keep walking forward i'm so glad i did but what i found interesting was that when i was catholic during this time We had some rich people at our church. They were snobs. They were horrible. The ones that I knew, the ones that I met there. Like if you needed help, they didn't want to lift a finger for you. They were quote unquote too too holy to help. But what I found was that rich people outside the Catholic Church, they don't have that holier than thou opinion of themselves. The ones that I've met need help they'll help you. Like I needed help finding a job. This was several years ago. I got let go from a good job and we were having some type of recession here in Oklahoma. So I was like, well, I'll just ask some of the rich people I know here, you know, do they know anyone that's hiring? I wanted a job. I didn't just want a handout. I wanted a job. They turned their nose up at me. And the only jobs they suggested were low-paying jobs when that's not what I was making at all. And they thought that if you lost your job that you deserved it. And that you weren't worth making more 
than what they thought about you. And I thought, how cruel and sick can you be? This is why there is poverty in the Catholic Church. And there were people that encouraged me to just stay poor. I'm like, really? Do you like not having food on the table? I like having a meal. I like having nutrients. Just like anybody else. What I find interesting is that these people that were not very nice to me, that encouraged me to stay poor and just go, oh, well, you know, since you don't have a job, why don't you just take a vow of poverty? I'm like, no. Are you kidding me? I'm young. I want to work. Give me two jobs. I mean, I, I mean, give me a break here. It was crazy, listeners. It was crazy what these people were saying. But what I learned was that this is a very common mentality within the Catholic Church. And then they also told me that God's trying to teach me something. I was like, really, what is that? How to lose weight and you don't need to lose weight? How to starve to death? How to see your hair fall out because you're not eating enough protein? You're not getting enough biotin or collagen that you're losing your hair? Or maybe, you know, how to experience rickets because you're not getting enough vitamin C? I mean, just the audacity of some of these people. But it's that poverty mindset. See, they didn't real. what I learned that when I asked them to pray for me, I didn't realize what kind of negative prayers they were saying about me until I talked to them. And, or until they told me what they were saying, really. And I was like, you're praying what kind of prayers for me? Because it matters what you pray. Because you, you, you can... However, you need to be careful what you say. You can either speak blessing or cursing over somebody. And I have no doubt that they were cursing me. Because they didn't want me to have more than them. They didn't think I was worthy of having a good job, having good pay, having a nice car, living in a safe area. They didn't think I was worthy of any of that. They were making a decision about me. When they don't know my heart and my soul, and they obviously don't care about my welfare. But what I've learned is that that poverty-lack mentality is sometimes rampant in the Christian faith. And it, it disgusts me. And it's not just in the, in the Catholic Church. But what really disturbed me about the Catholic Church was they don't want you to strive for something better. They want you to continue to wear your rags. They think that by having holes in your shoes and holes in your clothes that you're honoring God. So I just wonder, are they okay with people being homeless, freezing to death, starving to death on the streets? Because that's what happens when when you have lack and poverty in your life. And you have holes in your shoes and holes in your clothes. I had holes in my shoes and holes in my clothes. I mended my clothes. I am really good at sewing. Like I'm so good at sewing I thought about opening a clothing line or starting my own designer clothing line. Because I started thinking about what do I really want to wear. And even though I didn't like the clothes I had, I was having to repair them over and over and over again because I didn't have the money to buy new clothes. As I was sewing the old rags I was wearing, 
I would think about all the things that I could design and make. And I even made up my own company name like in my head. I was like if I had a clothing company, if I had a clothing line, this is what I would call it. And then I started thinking what kind of building would I want to work in? What kind of shop would I want to have for my clothing line? And you know, what would I want the storefront to look like? Where would I want it to be located in Oklahoma City? Like I already had that planned out because I did not want to stay where I was because I knew I was better than that. See what some of these Christian churches try and tell you or manipulate you into thinking is that you're not worth more than what you have. You should just stay where you are and be okay with the lack and and you should just be okay with hard times befalling you. Where nowhere in the Bible does it say to do that. God lifts people up. He does not push them down. It's people that push each other down. It's not God. God is not the author of despair. It's technically Satan. And you know what? The devil loves it when Christians fall for his lies. And one of Satan's lies is don't believe in prosperity. God doesn't want you to be rich. If you believe in prosperity, then you're greedy. That's not true at all. God wants to bless his children over and over and over and over again. He technically wants all of us to live in a mansion. And you're probably thinking, you know, if you're not sure about what I'm saying and maybe this is shocking you, You might say, "Well, we can't all live in mansions." Well, why not? That's what our heavenly Father wants. Like when you when you die and go to heaven, do you think you're going to be living in a shack? No, you're going to be living in a mansion. If God wants to bless you like that up there, why wouldn't he want to bless you here on earth? Because it's on earth as it is in heaven. We should never be okay with poverty and lack because the moment we tolerate that the more it contaminates our society the more it contaminates and brings down our economy and the worse our country gets the more homeless people we have and we have a lot of homeless people in this country there is no excuse for that in the United States none whatsoever we are a first world power Think about that. We are a first world power. We're number 1 in the world and we have power. What are we doing with it? We are allowing Satan to steal our joy and we are allowing him to manipulate us into thinking that poverty and lack are a blessing from God when they're not. Like if you if you seriously think that blessing or sorry if you seriously think that poverty and lack are a blessing from God then I would really wonder what would happen to you if you went down to a homeless shelter and instead of giving them food, water and clothing all you did was tell them well well th- this is this is what God wants for you. He wants you to have nothing. He wants you living on the streets. Because money's bad, food's bad, having a house is bad. 
Like you would be kicked out of that shelter. And you want to know why? Because poverty and lack are not considered a blessing in any society. We're trying to help people get out of their bad situation. So I personally don't understand why any church, why any preacher, why any Christian would ever accept, tolerate or think or believe that prosperity is wrong. And that to want a better life is wrong. And some people will say, "Oh, well, yeah, you can have a better life, but you know, it's just, you know, being rich isn't what God wants." But like that's such an oxymoron. Having a better life is part of being rich. I've never met anyone that woke up and said, "You know what? I'm rich and, you know, I think I think God wants me to be poor and die on the street like a dog." I've never heard that. That is insane. Like if if you were to go tell your employer that, they would probably call the loony bin. and have them send what what we used to call the loony bin wagon where they send you to the nut house because that's not a normal thing to think or say even in an atheist society even in a secular society that's not a normal thing to say and in the United States we still have a christian society it's not as much as it used to be but it's not normal to not want good things in your life And if you need example of this, you know, let's say for example, oh, th- this just came to me. Okay, so let's say um let's say you're depressed and you go see a counselor. Typically a counselor or or a psychologist or a psychiatrist, they'll have you fill out a questionnaire and they want you to answer these questions and what they're trying to determine is how do you view yourself, your situation and your life? And if all you think is that you're not worthy to have anything, you should be poor and just negative thinking, which is that's what poverty and lack is, it's negative thinking. Guess what? That psychologist, psychiatrist or counselor, they're probably going to diagnose you with depression. Because it's not normal to think about oneself in that way. as human beings we're supposed to want what is best for ourselves inviting poverty and lack into our life is the direct opposite of what is considered normal even from a secular point of view but especially from God's point of view so let's go to another verse and see what God says about this all right so it says here in Deuteronomy we're still in chapter 1 but it's verse 20 It says here then I said to you you have reached the hill country of the Amorites which the Lord your God is giving us so God is giving them wealth prosperity abundance he's giving it to them and this is factual this actually happened see the Lord your God has given you the land go up and take possession of it as the Lord the God of your ancestors told you do not be afraid do not be discouraged God is telling them take possession of what god gives you so if god gives you a good job take possession of that good job if god gives you a car 
take possession of that car. If God gives you a house, take possession of that house. If God gives you an inheritance, take possession of that inheritance. If God gives you a bank account, take possession of that bank account. Do you see what I'm saying here? It's our job as believers in Christ Jesus to take possession of whatever God gives us. Because if we do not take possession of what of what God gives us, then we technically are living in disobedience of God. He's trying to bless us, but we hold up our hand to him and say, "No God, I I know better than you." I'm supposed to be poor, I'm supposed to be sickly, I'm supposed to be in and out of the hospital. I'm not supposed to recover from COVID. I'm not supposed to recover from heart disease. I'm not supposed to recover from diabetes. I'm not supposed to recover from cancer. I almost want to say BS, but I'm trying to be nice about this. Here's the thing and I'm working on my language. I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. It is our job to seek God's best. and to receive God's best every day of our lives. Because if we are not living to our full potential of what God has given us, then we've got a problem. I've met so many people that are like, "Oh yeah, I have heart disease." I'm like, "Well, have you prayed for healing on that?" They're like, "No." I'm like, "Why wouldn't you? You've got heart disease? Do you want to have to be put on a heart transplant list?" Well, no. Then why aren't you praying for God to heal you? Well, I'm old. So what? Age doesn't give you permission to be stupid in your prayer life. I'm not trying to be mean here, but I'm just saying that just because you get old, that doesn't mean you should be falling apart. And you're probably thinking, "Leslie, you're young, you don't know." I am young, but I do know because I know what it's like to be sick. I know what it's like to almost be dead. It's horrible. God doesn't call us to to get old, gray and bitter and falling apart. No, it when we pass away from this life, we should pass away happy, knowing that that we lived our life to the fullest. Like the last thing I want is to die in a nursing home in a coma, drugged up because someone called in hospice, which all hospice is. is where someone else besides you or that's not you decides it's time for you to die so they take away all medical treatment they take away food and water and sometimes they take away oxygen and sometimes they take away pain meds which how that is legal I don't know because you're you're technically killing someone when you take all those things away from someone but my goal as a person is to never end up like that. Like I would rather pass away peacefully at my home at the ripe old age of like 135 and I know I've lived you know the fullest of my years. And I didn't die blind, I didn't die deaf. I just passed away peacefully in my sleep at a ripe old age. That is far better than just going, "Oh, well, you know, I'm old, I've got heart disease." You know, I guess it's just that that time of my life. Really, why do you tolerate that? Nowhere in the Bible does it say to tolerate sickness and disease. Nowhere. We're supposed to pray about it. And we're supposed to pray to God, "Take this away from me." 
We're supposed to pray for healing and then we're supposed to thank him for healing us even when we don't feel healed. We're supposed to thank him in advance for it. That that's how you pray for stuff like that. See cuz we're supposed to want to live to the best of our ability and we're supposed to live God's best. God's best is not accepting poverty, lack, disease, chronic illness, lack of a good job, a, a messed up, screwed up family, hateful neighbors like why do we tolerate any of that? Pray about it. And you're probably thinking, well, is that all? No, that's not all. We have to act on it. For example, if you are in a lousy job that you hate and can't stand, find a better job and ask God to get you a better job. Like we can't just sit back and do nothing with our lives. See, because whenever we accept what's lower and less than God's best, we've already thrown in the towel. And then we wonder why we're not as happy as we could be or we're not as happy as we used to be and we're not as happy as we should be. Well, shoulda, coulda, woulda, we need to wake up. And that may sound harsh, but based on God's holy word, we're not supposed to have anything except God's best. And God's best is being happy, healthy and whole. And that includes being wealthy. That includes prosperity. You know, sometimes people get angry at prosperity preachers just because of how they talk or maybe they're on television. Well, you know what? Television is a great way to reach people. It's a great way to spread the gospel because not everybody has access to a Bible, but they might have access to a TV. And you know what? A prosperity gospel, a prosperity preacher is a lot more positive. is a much more positive message than these people that preach doom and gloom all the time. You know, we need to leave the doom and gloom where it came from, from the depths of hell. We need to leave it there cuz we're not supposed to have that in our life. Not at all. Not at all. Let me see if I can find another verse here. Ooh, this is good. Okay, so in Deuteronomy down in um let's see, it's verse 25 of chapter 1. Let's see here. It says, taking with them some of the fruit of the land, they brought it down to us and reported, "It is a good land that the Lord our God is giving us." So basically, Moses sent out spies. Well, technically, he didn't want to send them, but the Israelites were flaking out on him because they wanted to go up and fight these people, even though they knew they they could win. They didn't want to go fight because they they weren't really sure, I guess, about God or they they were lazy. And so that's one way that they rebelled against God was they didn't go in and just take the land like they were told to even though God was for them and before them. So they said Moses or to Moses, "Hey, let's send in some spies, let's see what the land looks like." And so Moses is like, "Well, okay, he shouldn't have done that. He should not have allowed them to just send in some spies because that should have been the first sign that they were not going to go in and take the land like they were supposed to." But they sent some spies into the land And that's what it's talking about when it says taking with them some of the fruit of the land they brought it down to us and reported it is a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. So God 
is trying to give them blessing, wealth, prosperity. But guess what? They chickened out. Like so many other people, they chickened out. And guess what? That is a form of rebellion. The Lord does not like rebellious people. I mean, why turn away a gift? I mean, it's almost like it's almost like coming down Christmas morning to the Christmas tree and there's all these presents there for you that God's giving you. And instead of opening the presents like you're supposed to and receiving the presents, you basically thumb your nose at God and say, "Oh, I don't need any of this. I, you know, I I'm, I'm not worthy of it. I don't need it. Sorry. I took a vow of poverty, Lord. I don't know why you bought me all this. Don't waste your time on me." Who says that? Who thinks that way? Well, that's basically what the Israelites did, and it really angered God. Because you know he, he he's telling them, "Hey, I got you out of Egypt. What makes you think I won't be with you fighting off these people? If you want to get to the Promised Land, you have to dislodge these people. Even though this land does belong to you, you have to go in and take it." But they didn't do it. They rebelled. And then, you know, there are times that they wake up from their stupidity and they say, "Oh, well, we'll go fight now." Sorry. Well, guess what? They they get defeated and slaughtered because God wasn't with them because he told them when to go fight. But they didn't want to fight when God told them to fight. So guess what? When they did fight sometimes, they lost because they rebelled against God. When we do not accept what God gives us, we are rebelling against our heavenly Father. And that's wrong. That's like telling your employer, "Oh, I don't need that bonus." Yeah, I I don't need you. Thanks, but no thanks. Kind of that kind of cocky attitude. The Israelites got cocky. And God's just like, "You got to be kidding me." He has a he has a covenant with them. And it's like they don't really believe in it sometimes. Or they think they know it all. I think sometimes we fall in that trap. I'll be the first to say I need the Lord every day of my life. I need him every day, every night. Not just a little bit, a lot. I need him. I need Jesus. Not only because of all the hardships I've gone through, but just because I know in my heart and my soul that I'm nothing without him. I would be lost without him. But when I have him, I am found. I feel complete and I know I am complete. So don't ever turn away the blessings of God. And I encourage you if you've not heard a good prosperity preaching or gospel, I encourage you to look one up. You can YouTube it, Google it, whatever the case may be. And and do what you can to not get offended. Cuz sometimes what prosperity gospel or prosperity preachers do is they say they say to sow a seed. Basically give them money so that you can receive a hundredfold. And you're probably going, "Well, there it is right there, greed. That's not greed. That is the truthful prince 
principle of sowing and reaping of seed time and harvest I am living proof of that for the longest time I was against I would tithe but I wasn't sowing my seed It's very important that we sow good seeds and we sow into good ministries. That's technically what tithing is. Tithing is where we give the first 10% right off the top to God. We don't pay our bills first. We we pay God first. We give to him first. Because then he gives us the 90% to live off of. And not only does he give us the 90 to live off of, he blesses that 90%. sometimes 30 60 100fold. I've seen that happen to me. So I encourage you, please watch a prosperity gospel, a prosperity preacher. And if you're comfortable, sow a seed into their ministry. Don't sow into things that you don't agree with. I've made that mistake in the past. I thought, well, they're Christian, surely they're good. I'll sow into it. If God's not calling you to sow into something, don't do it. And if you're not sure what to sow into, which I was right there with you, I prayed about it. And I said, Lord, show me where you want me to give my money. Where do you want me to sow and where do you want me to tithe? Which ministries do you want me to bless? And he helped me with that. He helped me pick out some really good ministries that that are wonderful. They they preach the truth about the gospel. They're not against prosperity. They're not against miracles. They're they're just wonderful good people. They preach the goodness of God. I think that's wonderful to be told the truth about God's holy word because that actually leads people to Christ instead of pushing them away. I don't donate to Debbie Downer people or ministries and I for sure do not ever give to bitter Betty organizations. Gloom and doom, you're just a worthless sinner, you're you're lower than dust, you're nothing but a worm. You don't deserve this, you don't deserve that, but give me your money. No, sorry. If if I'm not seen as worthy in your eyes, why would I give to you? Why would I sell my money there? Sow your seed on fertile soil. Fertile soil is where God calls you to sow your seed. That's where he calls you to sow your financial gift, wherever that is, whatever ministry it is. Pray about it. And make sure you are comfortable with it. And also, name your seed. That's another thing. We'll talk about that in more detail in another message but once i realized i was missing out on naming my seed i went back through my fan, through all my fan, financial records and i looked up all the the seeds i had sown and i started naming them now the ones that i sowed into ministries that It's kind of a loss because it turned out to be not a good organization. I didn't feel right naming that seed. I was like, "Well, 
I know that seed fell on barren soil because it wasn't a good organization. They were not preaching the truth about God. So basically that money's lost. But going forward, whenever I do sow seed, I name it. And I make a note of it in my records. I'm sowing a seed into this ministry. And I'm naming my seed whatever it is I need or whatever it is I want. And then I watch it come to pass. That's what you do with your seed when you sow into an organization, when you sow into a ministry. And you're probably going, well, isn't that naming and claiming? Yeah, it is. Why wouldn't you want to? When you have an orchard, do you just randomly throw all different kinds of seeds out there? No. You know what kind of orchard you want. Do you want pecan trees? Do you want apple trees? Do you want apricots? Do you want pears? Like you have to know what your seed is. That's technically our financial responsibility as Christians. And actually we grow in wisdom when we know where our money is going. and when we put a name on it Lord I'm sowing into this ministry and I want this You would know, say you know I I want my my son or daughter healed of blah 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 Name it and claim it It's technically a form of prayer You know let's say you you, you need a new car Lord, I'm sowing a seed in, into this ministry and I name my seed whatever kind of vehicle I want. In Jesus mighty name I pray, amen. Once I realized that I had been missing out on naming my seed and planting it in fertile soil, I thought, "Oh Lord, open the floodgates to me." I'm going to go back through every seed that I can find through my financial records, ones that I know were planted in fertile soil, but I just neglected to name it. And I tell you what, I went through a, a lot of prayers there. I didn't realize how many seeds I had sown into these different ministries, and yes, they used my money well, but it's important that you name it. they they you they utilize your monies to continue to spread the gospel but then one of the pluses as well the one of the ways that you get blessed by sowing into that ministry is you name your seed you know when i was growing up i wanted cherry trees because i love cherries they're one of my favorite fruits and so we bought a male tree and a female tree well one of the trees died um several years in and but we still had one of the other trees. Well, whenever we would have people over, they would ask what kind of tree is that? And I'd say oh, it's a cherry tree. You know, if there weren't cherries on it or if there weren't blossoms, I'd say oh, it's a cherry tree. Well, here's the thing. Not naming your seed when you when you sow into a ministry would be like you planting a random tree in your backyard and when people come over and they say, "Hey, what kind of tree is that?" I don't know. I just planted it. You don't know what kind of tree it is and you plant it, you put all that work into it, you dug a hole, you water it every day and you don't know what kind of tree it is. That's right, I have no idea. You would look like an idiot. 
I mean, you would just look so I'll just say ignorant. Yeah, I just plant stuff randomly, but I don't really know its name. I don't really know what it needs. I don't know what kind of food it needs. I don't even know what it, how much water it needs. I just planted it and then I just walked away. That's what I did. I walked away from all the seeds I had sown into these good ministries not knowing I was supposed to name them. I thought you just gave money and then you're just like, well, they just do whatever with it. Hopefully it's good and true. No, you don't you don't take that kind of risk with your money. Your good hard-earned money that God gave you from your from the fruits of your labor. You name it, you claim it. You sow it, you reap it. That's covenant talk. That's part of our responsibility as being a Christian and technically it's one of the most important responsibilities as being believers in Christ Jesus because we are responsible for our garden. You know, Adam and Eve were were given Eden. They were supposed to tend that garden. They were given set rules and instructions that the good life and guess what? They they failed in their responsibility. And you're probably going, "Well, you know, we're all fallen, Leslie. I can't stand that line. I hear that from wishy-washy, weak Christians. It's just like, you know what? I am so sick of hearing that. If all you ever think is you're fallen, you're no good, guess what? That's all you're ever going to be and that's all you're ever going to get. God doesn't call us to be fallen. He calls us to be risen up with him with his son, Jesus Christ. That doesn't just mean when we die or when it's judgment day or whatever the case may be. No. When we are believers in Christ Jesus, we are called his sons and daughters. You don't throw your sons and daughters in a ditch. You lift them up, you train them, you walk with them, you guide them. and you teach them what you know especially in the ways of the Lord that doesn't mean being a religious nut not by any means none of us are called to do that none of us are called to be extreme religious people that's not what God wants he already had that and he already was displeased with that and that was the Pharisees and the Sadducees who were quick to judge people stone people to death and not care if people fell down a well on the sabbath God was never impressed with that because mankind created religion. God just wants us in his family. It really is that simple. And one of the ways that God blesses us in his family is through health, wealth, prosperity, goodness, kindness, having blessings all the days of our lives. And one of the ways we see the completion of that blessing is seed time and harvest. I encourage you. I encourage you so strongly. Know what you're doing with your money at all times, but especially when you are sowing into the kingdom of God. Make sure you are sowing into the right ministry. 
Because I've sown into some bad ones, but I didn't know they were bad until it was too late. And I know some people that still sow into some bad ones. And I'm like, well, that's their loss. Like, I can speak up all day and all night. I've already said my piece with that. But I want to make sure that I am provided for. But what I love about God is that he takes that burden off of me and he 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 fulfills my wants and my needs, my desires, my hopes, my dreams. He covers all of it. And I love the fact that when we sow into his kingdom, we can get a 30, 60, 100 fold if not more. Just by doing what God calls us to do. It really is that simple. And technically all of us should be wealthy all the days of our life. We should not have lack. Never, never, never. If some hardship happens, we go to God immediately with it. And we know in our heart and our soul that God is taking care of it, and we don't need to worry about anything. That is it for today's podcast. I know that was probably intense, but I felt very strongly about it. Because I don't like being lied to. And I don't like living a negative lifestyle. And if you think God doesn't want to provide for you, you've already sold out on your hope. And also, when you are okay with poverty and lack, you're basically giving the devil permission to rule in your life because he's stealing your money. There's a really good book you need to read. It's by Jerry Savelle. It's called, I think it's called If the Devil Can't Steal Your Joy, He Can't Steal Your Goods. We have one enemy and his name is Satan. He was thrown out of heaven because he's a thief. He's a liar and a thief. So whenever something tells you you're not worthy, or you should be poor or you should just take a vow of poverty don't don't expect anything good just just take a vow of poverty that that's what it means to be holy is to be pop, is to be poor that is a lie straight out of the depths of hell poverty is not god's way if it's not his way we should not be living in poverty and we should not embrace it and we shouldn't be okay with all the homelessness that's taking place in the United States. What I find interesting and I'll close with this is we send money as a country to impoverished countries that have way worse poverty and lack than us, but yet we're not taking care of our own people here in the United States like we should. And I'm not just talking about the the pandemic. Like home, we had a homeless problem way before COVID hit. COVID just made it way worse. See that's what happens when we are not doing our job. When we are not taking care of those and get them back on their feet, help them get really good high paying jobs. Guess what? When disaster hits or a hardship hits, it just multiplies the hardship instead of multiplying the blessing. 
Like if we had all done our job and gotten the homeless off the streets and helped them get high-paying jobs so they can buy a home, then we wouldn't have had all these homeless people. If anything, if we had helped all those homeless people way before COVID hit, if anyone did become homeless, the previously homeless people could have helped the new people that that became homeless from losing their homes. They would have been like, "Hey, I've been right where you are. I know exactly what to do." Some good people showed me what to do. They got me a really good job. I was able to buy a house. Now I'm able to provide for my family. Let me help you like they helped me. That's how we become a blessing to other people. That's why prosperity is from God. Money is part of our world. It's not our world, it's just part of our world. Money doesn't rule us, we rule it. You have to take authority over it. Technically that's our job. We're supposed to take authority over things like that. So that way it doesn't rule us, we rule it. Let me put it this way. If you're if you're a banker, you know, let's say you are the the president of a bank. Would you be okay with your bank being poor all the time? Would you be okay with your bank living in the red all the time? No. That would reflect negatively on you as the president of the bank. Because you're not prosperous. You have no way of backing up your loans. You're financially unstable. And no one would if they knew what was going on, they would not want to do business with you. Because no one wants to do business with a bank that can't back up its loans. Because it could crumble and fall and then its depositors would lose their money. So, if by the end of this podcast episode you're still against prosperity, you're still like Leslie, I don't believe anything you're saying. Well, Let me encourage you this way. Pretend you're a bank. Think of yourself as a financial institution. And think about how do you stay open? How do you stay in business and how do you help other people? How do you help people take out loans? You have your own wealth to help people. That's what God wants us to do. He makes us successful and prosperous so we can help other people. So even if you still don't believe in what I'm saying, I encourage you, you know, let's say for a week, the moment you get up in the morning, think of yourself as like a bank and think of yourself as a financially stable bank. Think of yourself as a super successful bank. Because when you think of yourself that way, you won't be okay with poverty, lack, sickness or disease. Because you will only want what is best for you and or your family if you have a family, which if you're single, that's okay, you are your own family, that's all right. Think of yourself as like a very successful, financially stable, super wealthy bank, even if you're not. Let's say you're broke. Change your thinking. Because whatever you think is what you become. 
And I encourage you, if your life changes from changing your way of thinking, I want to know about it. I want you to contact me. If you're listening to this podcast, there is a message button. I think it says like contact us or contact me. Message me. I want to hear your story. I want to hear how God has blessed you. Because it is possible. God blesses us every day. It might as well be you. You don't have to live in darkness. You don't have to live in lack. You don't have to live in poverty. It is a choice. Sometimes the things that happen to us are not a choice, hardships, but we can choose to have a better life. And that starts by putting our faith in God. Because he is the God of our fathers, meaning your fathers and my fathers, and that is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Those technically are our ancestors. When God asked Abraham to look up at the stars and count the stars if he can, and he made the promise with Abraham that he would make his descendants as vast as the stars in the sky, that was us. That's who he was referring to. We were the future generation that God was talking about when he was making his promise, making his covenant with Abraham. We are that future generation living right here right now, and our seed, our children, whether born or unborn, they are also the inheritance and the descendants that God was referring to when he was talking to Abraham. Don't throw away your heritage. Don't throw it away for anything, but especially don't throw it away on religiosity, a theology, or some kind of false doctrine or a lie. Wake up to your inheritance. Wake up to what God wants for you because he loves you so much. He loves you more than you will ever know. And I think sometimes we may not fully understand the goodness of god until we are in heaven and we realize wow this is how much he always loved me i just didn't realize it sometimes we don't realize how much god god loves us because we don't want to acknowledge the goodness of god we hear all this bad stuff about him and then we shame and blame ourselves or people shame and blame us whatever the case may be maybe all the above I think it's high time we stop missing out on our inheritance from from God our Father. We start being who God wants us to be. So I encourage you read Deuteronomy, especially chapter 1. Excellent book, excellent chapter. It really describes things. And it is part of our faith because it's one of God's promises to us. And God keeps all of his promises. You know, people may fail us, God never does. God is not a disappointer. He's a provider. And he loves you all the days of your life. Bill, until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy and whole, that you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.
on every word, yet no one hears us speak. So it's only left to ask, it's changed to quite a task. From the smallest depths, waves transform the earth. Still 